0: Less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order.
1: McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Howdy y'all and welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast and welcome to 2024. My name is Jake Green. Thank y'all so much for joining me today. This is January 1st of 2024. We're starting the year off right with a Free Georgia Podcast. Um, talking about a very interesting and kind of sad topic um, about Something that's happened here in Georgia and elsewhere around the country. Um, A couple weeks ago, or I guess back in November, I interviewed Tia Severino. That episode got pulled from YouTube uh, for medical misinformation. Um, But in the interview, we talked about something called medical kidnapping, which is what we're going to be talking about today um, with our guest, Jennifer Williams. Um, But before we do that, Y'all, convention is coming up. We have, if you go to lpgeorgia.com, you can go over to the convention tab, the 2024 convention tab. Dates 26th through the 28th of January. So we are four weeks away from, um, from our yearly convention. You can get tickets for $85 right now. Um, We're going to have Spike Cohen, Shane Hazel, Sarah Higdon, Adam Nutter, the Tower Gang Pod, and we're going to have a presidential debate between all six candidates for the Libertarian ticket. Um, Get your tickets now. Uh, No reason to wait to to get them at the door. Um, There's going to be a lot of great activities, a lot of of fun things happening at the convention. Um, Highly encourage you to go get your tickets now. Um, If you have any questions, if you are not an LP Georgia member, if you have any questions about what we believe, what we're doing around the state of Georgia to help spread liberty and freedom, go to our website, lpgeorgia.com. We have tons of resources for you to explore. Um, You can also reach out to any of us. Um, We're always happy to talk liberty principles (laughs) with new people to the party or people interested in the party. So um, you can reach out to me, podcast at lpgeorgia.com. You can also reach out to me through, through Twitter, Instagram, the Jake green or peaceful sea productions, either one, you can message us on Twitter at LP Georgia. Um, Yeah. You can contact us through the website, whatever's easiest for you. So um, 2024, It's kind of wild that uh, it's a brand new year and it's kind of wild that uh, it's the first day and I'm already back podcasting. I took December off, um, did some reruns of this show, did uh, Liberty Libations still kept going um, because we had uh, Zach who was guest hosting. So um, that still happened. But yeah. It is, technically speaking, season three of the Free Georgia podcast. Um, looking forward to the year 2024. So, uh, I mean, it's going to be a crazy year. It's going to be a crazy year. It's a presidential race. Um, I I've, So many things could happen before November, before the election. Um, so, yeah, it's. I think we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about. In 2024, I think there'll be a lot of things that we need to cover, <laughs> um, a lot of news, a lot of interesting things, twists and turns, for sure. Um, but for now, let's uh, let's go talk to Jennifer Williams about a very sad case um, of medical kidnapping. All right, Jennifer Williams, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm very grateful for the opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I was mentioning earlier how I, I had done a podcast with Tia Severino, and we talked about, or she had mentioned medical kidnapping and mentioned a couple of cases um, around the United States. Um, can you talk about this particular why you're here, like this particular instance of medical kidnapping?
0: Yeah, sure. So my husband and I, um, we have been foster parents off and on for about 13 years here in Georgia, and Initially we started hoping to add to our family through adoption and we knew we would want to be foster parents. So there's a big difference between a foster parent and an adoptive parent.
2: Mm.
0: And uh, over the years we've enjoyed fostering. Um, We've done full time, which means you can have kids in your home for up to a year, however long the system, you know, works their case out. And uh, we've been doing respite for about the last two years which is very short term. So kids can come for a day, a few hours. Um, You know, it just depends. They can stay for three weeks, four weeks. It just, it really just depends on what the need is. Um, So with this particular case with um, the Hernandez family, we were asked in August to take two little girls for five nights. And we accepted that they were about an hour and a half away from us. Um, so that was a little odd. We don't usually get calls for kids, you know, Mm. quite that far.
2: Right.
0: Um, but it was in August. We, I said, yes, um, we're supposed to be just for a few nights. Um, you know, from there, it just, it got kind of weird, kind of fast, just because having a lot of kids come in and out of your home, you can tell when a child, like what kind of personality they have, maybe with what they've been through, um, and defects here in Georgia, which is you know, what our CPS is called, they don't always give you a lot of information. Some people can give you, they can tell you a little bit about their past. They're not necessarily obligated to, but mm-hmm. we have young children in our home. So I've always wanted to know if there's anything specific going on with any, any child, especially if they're older. And uh, we really got no information. Mm. Um, initially it was a little boy and a little girl actually. So when they came, um, beautiful little girls and Jake, I'll tell you, I've always in the past looked at biological parents. That's just something I've done. We've had in the past, um, a reason for me to look into whose kids are in my home, if that makes sense.
1: It makes sense. Um, <laughs> I think that's understandable.
0: Yeah. So that's just something I've done. Um, my husband's never done that. It's just something that I have felt happy to do to figure out a little bit about these people. Even if it's respite, it's just something I've done. And um, it was just very shocking when I looked up their names to see whose kids I had. Um, it, it didn't feel right. That gut feeling that people talk about or people have, it was just a gut feeling of something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, before that, when the kids came, they came in the evening time. And the next day when they were here for the full day, um, I started noticing things about the baby. And so she was four months old, Emma, beautiful. But I could see that she held her arms and her little legs kind of weird. Mm-hmm. She just held them a little off. I was a newborn photographer for many years. So I'm, you know, I'm confident about what I think about babies and how they hold themselves. And I'm certainly no doctor and I'm not going to try and diagnose a child, but I could just see something seemed off with her. And I noticed her little skull was sunken in and like sloping and she had this acute cute bit of hair right here. But when you moved her hair, you could just see her head just had this soft spot. And at four months, it just wasn't an appropriate soft spot. So I started asking my husband, I was like, "Can you see like with her head, like you think everything's like okay with that?" And I started pointing out her little joints, and he noticed a couple things himself. He was like, "You know, the whites of her eyes aren't fully white. We just started noticing these things, and I thought, well, this is weird. No one told me anything about this being a medically fragile baby. right And you would think that's something defects should do if you have a medically fragile baby in your home. You would so. Think. I, I, yeah, you would think. And no, they don't always. I mean, that definitely not. Well, I went ahead and reached out to the foster mom because we have been communicating via text while the girls were here. Whenever I have someone else's foster kids, I like to keep them up to date. They're doing great, send them pictures, you know, let them know how they're doing. If I have any questions, then I can ask. And I mentioned these things to this foster mom that I was a little bit concerned with. And she said, well did no one tell you what you're seeing is from abuse the girls are in foster care because of physical abuse and i immediately was like reading this text message like no that doesn't have anything to do with what i'm seeing and she said you know emma had a broken leg just not too long ago a few weeks ago and i'm like why would no one tell me Mm. a baby in my house had a broken leg yeah because I would have handled her differently. I would have changed her diaper differently. You know, I wouldn't have held up her ankles like you do with a normal diaper change. Right. So I was just kind of like, what is she talking about? She ended up calling me and um, just saying, she was very nonchalant, like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sorry no one told you, No no one said anything. And I was like, no, she said, yeah, she had broken bones. I'm like, no, I, I really wish someone had, though. That would have been nice. So once the girls left, I uh, wrote my normal synopsis to defects. I tell them everything was great. Here were issues or here are my concerns. And I sent that off to the case manager. Um, and she immediately emailed me back with just in within a few minutes and was like, oh, you know, I'm, thank you for your insight. I'm sorry I didn't tell you I should have. Um, we're currently looking into medical evaluations for Emma.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I thought, well, that's like the opposite of what the foster mom tells me. <sighs> she said, what you're seeing is abuse. You know, don't worry about it. Yeah. Caseworkers saying, oh, yeah, we're looking into medical evaluations. So I was like, that's really weird. Went ahead and was like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and see who these parents are. That's when I did, and it was very easy. I didn't have their names. I only had the girls' names. But when I searched, I found immediately cries for help Mm. from this family. And it was worry about their baby. It was something's wrong with our baby, and we're concerned, and no one's listening. Mm. And then they basically told the whole synopsis from their side of what had happened leading to the girls going into foster care. And as I'm reading this, I'm telling my husband, Jonathan, I'm like, something just isn't right. Like why, if it is medical, then why aren't why isn't defects helping them get to the bottom of that? Right? If it was abuse, most people do not go on social media and tell the world that they've abused their baby. (laughs) Okay. I've been, I've seen guilty parents. I've seen how they react. I've been to a lot of court cases with any foster kid in our, in our home. We've always gone to court just to, so we can get a clear understanding of what's going on. We don't always trust that a caseworker is going to tell us what's going on. We go ourselves so we can learn. So a lot of this just was not falling into place. It just seemed really odd and off. And once the girls left our house, and I had searched this, I told my husband, "I think I need to call the mom. Mm. There's her phone number." And he supported me and was like, "Yeah, I think we do. Like something is going on." You know, she even mentioned in that plea something about pumping her breast milk, bringing that to Defacs, mm. and all we had the whole time was formula.
1: Right.
0: So even little things like that just seemed so off to me that I felt obligated to call her and at least let her know your girls just left. They were wonderful. They're doing well. Um, Tell me more about your story and tell me more about what's going on from your side. Um, And from there, we just, I just listened to her and offered any help if they ended up needing it.
1: Wow. Um, Well, let's talk about for just a second, like how the girls ended up in your care um, because yeah, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but basically what, from my understanding of reading through some articles, uh, the mother, dad uh, dadgummit, I just forgot her name. Uh, the
0: mom, uh, Tucky.
1: Tucky, yes. Um, she was worried about uh, Emma's swollen leg That's and took her to the hospital where they said that she had broken ribs, I believe. Is that is that correct?
2: She
0: had broken top of her femur, a lesion, and they could not, doctors could not agree on how many ribs.
2: Mm.
1: It
0: was more than one rib that was healing at different stages. Wow.
1: Yeah. At which point they did little to no research um, and basically immediately declared it to be abuse, at which point that set the whole thing in motion for the girls to come to you. Um, is that basically how, like, is, is there any other details of that story that we should know that, prior to the girls getting to your house?
0: Yeah, I think it's important that people realize that We, I'm aware that abuse happens. Mm-hmm. There are people out there who abuse their kids, um, abuse relatives' kids. The problem with this was within two hours, and this family willingly brought their baby. She was giving Emma, the mom was giving Emma a bath. Noticed her leg looked a little swollen and about that same time was like, I'm worried about her head. So she texts her husband who's at work and he says, look, tomorrow we're bringing our older daughter, Aria back to the doctor to check Mm -hmm. on an ear infection. Let's call and bring Emma in. So that's what they did. Mm -hmm. And their pediatrician was not worried about her skull. She's like, no, there's nothing going on with her head, but you need x-rays of her leg. It is swollen. So within two hours of going to CHOA and getting these x-rays, you have law enforcement and defects involved. There's not enough time in two hours to sit down with a family and talk about medical backgrounds. Right. Um, that was claimed that that was done. It wasn't. The mom is originally from Thailand, and all of her medical records are in Thailand. She never went to doctors and hospitals in her town in Thailand. So there wasn't any real question. There was nobody dove in deep to ask this family or to look into how Emma was born. Right. Um, they did check blood levels and it sh- it showed, it came back that she had a very low vitamin D level. Hmm. Which you need high vitamin D for good bone structure. Yeah. So they did put her they wanted her to start taking vitamin d supplements immediately choa had made that decision a choa being the, the hospital children's right. health of atlanta
2: mm-hmm.
0: um you know they wanted that but they within two hours after interrogating parents separately
2: mm-hmm. the
0: mom speaks great english but medical terms and legal terms she may need help with and there was no interpreter wow so within two hours it was you're not taking your kids home one of you hurt them, so we need to find a relative to take your kids. So they initially were put with a relative, which is called kinship care,
2: mm-hmm.
0: before they went to foster care. They went with maternal aunt and uncle.
1: Gotcha. Um, so you've clearly dealt a lot with with child protective services. What's it called here in Georgia? Defects. defects.
0: Department of uh, Children and Family Services.
1: Okay. Um, What has been your experience over the years working with that organization?
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's such a big question. So in our little town where we are, it's pretty rural. It's, Mm -hmm. um, we've never had big problems. We've never had to question very much. Anything that we've ever questioned is more of opinion. It's more, we disagree with this decision. But that's like an opinion-based situation.
2: Gotcha.
0: Um, the government does not always make good decisions regarding children. That's just that's just how it is. Now, in our court system, every time we've been to court, I don't really recall ever being disappointed with a judge's verdict. Hmm. I multiple times have been upset with attorneys, especially guardian ad litems they like don't know anything about the case until five minutes before court is going to start at nine and they're like coming over and asking me questions. Like (laughs) they should have asked weeks ago um, and just a few hours ago would have been nice. But as far as, um, as far as lying and sneaking and hiding things, that's never been really something that we've had to deal with. We've had laziness, Hmm. and non-empathetic people to deal with that literally I don't think they care about kids at all. Wow. Just by the way that they handle kids in our home um, or handle my questions. I've been labeled as a troublemaker in <laughs> local defects because I asked too many questions to a caseworker and she didn't want to deal with me because I asked too many questions. Um, that doesn't really hurt my feelings. I would didn't really like her anyway, so that was fine. Um but never really anything like sneaking or lying. Hmm. Never really dealt with that.
1: Okay. Um, It seems like there would have to be some of that as well as some of the laziness. I mean, we already kind of talked about how they didn't actually do any tests. They didn't run any, like they didn't dive into their medical history or anything like that before declaring that it was abuse, Um, which for people who don't know, once they declare that it's abuse, they can legally bring in defects and take away the kid and put the kid in custody of, of Child Protective Services or, or, you know, the kinship, I guess, right. the uh, immediate yeah. family. That's what
0: they're supposed to do. They're supposed to look by law for yeah. family or relatives initially. All right.
1: All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's just wild that... I mean, I guess it's not that wild. The people in the government generally have pretty safe jobs. They don't. uh, It's not a place where you're going to get fired all that often. Um, You have pretty good job security. Everybody. I mean, I I remember growing up hearing like people wanted government jobs because they last forever, and it's really hard to get fired. It would take
0: a lot, I think, to get fired (laughs) from. Especially defects in general. I won't speak to other government jobs, but for defects, I think it would take a lot. You basically get moved around. Like if you're not doing well in this position, sometimes they might even put you in a higher position, which makes (laughs) sense. But I've seen that happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it basically is like there's there's no motivation to do your job well, right? Um, Because there's no threat of you being fired. There's, I mean, I guess there's a chance of promotion if you do your job poorly in some circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. um, and the fact that these it's that system that is in charge of taking away your children against your will is I mean, that's that's horrifying. I,
0: yeah, there's so many And for people who say, well, we have to be careful. We don't want to send kids home to a, to an abusive situation. Of course, I agree with this. That's the right. reason I wanted to be a foster parent. I wanted to give kids a, a, a safe, protected place to be. Mm-hmm. So I agree with that, but there are other ways. And if you were to say, well, what other ways? Well, you can do a safety plan. You can do a welfare checkup. They could have gone to this family's home, Jake. Mm-hmm. They could have looked at their home. Is this a safe home? They could have done a background check on the parents. They right. could have said, had they ever had you know a problem with uh, the police in the past? Have they ever been arrested for any kind of violence? Is there drug use? They could have done a lot of things that show you something about this family. I
2: mean literally anything
0: I don't see how you can do that in two hours and make this kind of decision. Right. It's really fast. Yeah. And they didn't see the 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 home until they had already made the decision to remove the children. And then some law enforcement followed it was like two in the morning by the time they went to this family's home to check it out, you know, to deem it if it's safe or not they had already made the decision to remove the kids.
1: And what was the, was it rickets? I feel like there was two. Yeah. Um, hang on. I'm looking through the article right now. Oh, There there were two basically conditions that the, that Emma may have had or had earlier that would have caused um, her bones to be more fragile. And one of those was rickets. Was there another one? I feel like there was another one in there. Do you so remember?
0: there's, there's a bone disease called osteogenesis imperfecta. Okay. And that has so many, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm just going to talk to you how I know how to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of levels with osteogenesis imperfecta. It's also known as just OI. Um, okay. There's EDS, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. There's a lot of different medical reasons you can have fragile bones. Mm-hmm. Now, If you read the story, you know that after they went with the aunt and uncle, within two weeks of living with the aunt and uncle, mom gets arrested. Right. From there, three weeks later, the aunt and uncle wake up and notice the baby, Emma, has bruising, like a rash-like bruise on her leg, the same right leg. So they call the caseworker. What should we do? This has just come about. They tell them, take her back to CHOA, the accusing (laughs) hospital.
1: That seems like the worst possible solution.
0: Yes. But you're at the hands of the government telling you these are their nieces and they're trying to play the game. They're trying to do. They're innocent. So for them, they're just going to do whatever they feel is the right choice. Right. Mm -hmm. So they go. And defects caseworker ends up saying, like, well, they probably either abused her themselves or let someone else come over. They probably let the mom come over when she wasn't supposed to. I mean, if you really stop and think about that, how insane does that honestly sound?
2: I'm For
0: sure. a bruise That's like perfect. rash. And I've seen photos of this bruise like rash. It's not handprints. This is not something somebody did to this baby. Right. It's it's to us. An, an issue, part of her issue. It's like a bruising under the skin. And instead of doing more tests, they say, well, now you guys can't have Emma and Aria. And now they go into foster care.
1: Hmm.
0: And that's how they wound up in actual foster care.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, with it, it would be so nerve wracking to take the child back as, as the aunt and uncle. I mean, that, that would be a terrifying situation because you could end up going to jail if they right. suspected you of having the mother over or you of committing the abuse like it you could be the
0: probably wasn't even in their mind. I am pretty sure and I have a nice relationship with them at this point, but during this time I didn't know them. I'm pretty sure they were like, OK, something else is going on with Emma.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's figure out what's going on with her. And instead of anyone at this hospital or in defects care helping you they're literally accusing you. Mm. That's not putting the child's best interests at heart instead of running tests or figuring out what's going on. Instead, they rip them from the family and put them with strangers. Mm. So at this time, Emma also stayed in the hospital for six days. And no one was allowed to visit her from family. When we didn't find out until months later, this is all in uh, July. In October at the adjudication hearing, that's when the family found out she was put on a feeding tube and no one even told the family about this because she was a breastfeeding baby and she was struggling with bottles as it was. Right. And now they had no milk for the baby. So the hospital puts her on formula and she's not drinking, she's not eating. So they put her on a feeding tube and didn't call to talk to the parents about this. You know, parents still have rights just because your child is in foster care, you still have rights or you are supposed to. And that's been the biggest problem with this situation is they're trying to block the parents on all their rights.
1: Yeah. What, uh, so what are, do you, do you know what the rights limitations are for parents, um, whose kids are in child protective services? Like what, what, uh, obviously they're not allowed to visit a lot of the time. Um, it, it's, it doesn't vary. It's
0: case by case. Okay. There are sometimes times when a child is in kinship placement or even in foster care and mm-hmm. we've had parents come over here to my house with their child, with nobody supervising, but me. Mm-hmm. And that was completely safe and normal. So it really just depends on the situation. Most of the time I would say they just don't check in or don't care enough to check in or give you rules you just kind of do it and you know see what happens after that um for us we've always wanted a good relationship with the biological parents or the family that's always been important to us because Mm -hmm. it's their child no matter what the situation is guilty innocent it's their child and i want i don't want to hurt that bond we've always wanted to help that bond Mm
1: -hmm. so we've
0: never had a problem with having our phone number talking texting, video calls, whatever helps the parents and the child, whatever is best for the situation.
1: Nice. Um, Man, uh, it's hard to wrap your brain around the fact that this could happen to, to your child, just, just because they have something wrong with their health. Like it has has nothing to do with the people. It just, some, some doctor just decided that it was abused and that was that.
0: And these doctors, these child abuse pediatricians, this is a relatively new thing. And, you know, there's not even very many in our nation. There's like 400 nationwide. And they make these, they say abuse and it's like golden. And you get into court with that and law enforcement, DFAX, judges, Mm -hmm. they don't want to hear anything else. I was there. We agreed to go to this adjudication hearing, which was a three-day trial that's not normal they're normally you know last an hour right one hour so this was a three-day trial and i had told the mom i would help i would testify so i did mm-hmm. i testified at this hearing there were specialists who testified here a geneticist who looked at her information there was a uh forensic pathologist who looked at emma's doc pa- uh, paperwork from choa looked at blood levels to the best of their ability without running their own scans. And that's where you're reading about the rickets or OI on these possible things that could be going on a metabolic bone disease, but they need to do more testing in order to actually know what's going on.
1: Yeah. I mean, you would think there would have to be some type of, okay, you suspect that it's abuse. So you have to do these specific things before you can actually declare it's abuse. Not just right off the bat without actually doing any research, no tests, no nothing. Like right. this is abuse. Like it, mm-hmm. that's crazy to me.
0: And they that's- did the bare minimum. So they're able to say, oh, we did. They even say that they did test for OI, mm. but they first they wouldn't share the results. Right, <laughs> Like that's weird. Even at the hearing, they didn't have documentation with them. They didn't bring x-rays with them. This the, the child abuse pediatrician who testified, you know, he didn't bring documentation with him. He didn't bring anything with him. That was weird for me to sit there and hear that side. And, and we're just listening to what he says because he says it. Whereas the other side, the parents witnesses, you know, they were showing cupping on her ribs,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is uh, indicative to a metabolic bone disease, rickets, and she did have the low vitamin D level. Mm-hmm. So, they just need more testing. Even the bruising, there, there's different medical reasons why you can have this bruising. Why she had that, um, there was even other issues brought along the way while she was in foster care, and bruises showed up. Mm-hmm. But nobody ever said, nobody got in trouble, arrested or accused there. Instead, it was just like played off like, oh, that was not really, it wasn't a real bruise. In fact, one caseworker said, we just massaged her and and the bruise went away. What? Yeah, they they, they blocked the parents from, uh, you asked earlier what kind of rights they have. You're allowed to go to doctor's appointments. You're allowed to go to school recitals. You're allowed to go to sports games. You're supposed to build in Georgia. It's called partnership parenting. You're supposed to partner with the with the parents, biological parents, within reason, mm-hmm. of course, and let them still have a say what's going on with their kids. Let them still see because that's what's best for the child.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If court says you can't because of a bond condition, then of course you don't but the father didn't have any bond conditions and he was being told he couldn't go to any doctor's appointments. He couldn't go to dance recitals. He couldn't go to watch her do swim lessons Mm -hmm. and all that's not true. You have that right to do that. Unless the court says you can't.
1: Right. Right. Um, Well, what, so after your experience with all of this, what would be, do you have any advice for parents who are like nervous to take their kids to, to a doctor <sighs> in this kind of yeah. situation.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, cause I take heed to this myself. Um, do not answer any questions at all. Um, <laughs> you do not have to answer any questions. These CAPs, these child abuse pediatricians, they do not have to tell you who they are. So I think if someone comes into the room if you are in the hospital, you are in the doctor's office and you are concerned about something going on, you need to ask who this person is in front of you and uh like what their job is at this hospital or at this doctor's office because they're basically like law enforcement. They can whatever they ask you and you say if you say, "Well, She might have fallen off the couch and gotten that bruise. Or maybe it was when she was learning to walk and fell. They're going to use that against you that you changed your story. You weren't consistent. Instead, you're just a parent trying to come up with ideas of how this bruise came to be.
2: Right.
0: So don't answer any questions. um, And you need to know who you're talking to. You need to find out. You need a good relationship with a family doctor. Mm. Or your pediatrician, if you don't have a good relationship where, you know, they trust you and you trust them, then it's time to move on and find someone that you absolutely trust and that you see the same. Some of these big pediatricians, you'll see a different doctor every time you go. You don't want that. You want a good relationship with someone who, you know, um, who you trust and who treats you with respect. And you can tell that they trust and respect you.
1: Awesome. Yeah. That is fantastic. Um, what, what's the current status, um, of, of her case? Do you know, is she still in jail?
0: No. So, um, the mom was only in jail for a few nights. She was able to get out. Um, (laughs) so the father was after six months of having visits with his girls. Um, he was indicted. He spent a few days in jail. And they are looking at the same charges. They are now being charged like as co-defendants. So there's no date. No one knows any specific time or any specific thing that happened with Emma, but you know, DFAX is going full force on this. They're trying to terminate their parental rights.
1: Oh, Good Lord.
0: When we went in that, to that trial in October to testify, my husband and I were there for the whole three days. Um, We listened to everything, and one of the caseworkers had sat down in front of me to an intern that was there watching court, and she just boastfully bragged that um, this is basically a done deal. We've already started TPR paperwork, and she said that for me to hear, and I know that for a fact, and it just really broke my heart and actually scared me. That was when I realized these people are out for blood. DFACS is supposed to be about family and children services. That is not what's going on with this case. Mm -hmm. Um, We've gone to the highest up with DFACS that we know we can. We've had meetings with regional directors, with county directors, and they sit there and listen and take notes. And they're like, well, we can't really tell you how this is going because, you know, we can't talk about the case. And it's funny because I'm at court, so I know more about the case than they do. (laughs) I don't have any questions for them. I'm just trying to tell them what's going on is wrong because I have, I have the downloaded do's and don'ts <laughs> that Defects has. It's out there for the public to download and look at. So I know what their policies are, and I know when they're breaking them, and I'm able to tell the parents when they're breaking a policy. Um, seeing Defects behave this way was really terrifying. And Jake, I don't know if you know the rest of the story with that, but you know they closed our home. Defacto shut our home down. Wow! So we're no longer foster parents now. When we left that court hearing, we had decided we were going to close our home because it felt so vindictive being there. I was sure they were going to retaliate against our family. I just had this—they're going to retaliate against us because I testified. They were so hateful and so rude during those three days. It was nothing like no one was giving this family any respect. They were treating them like they brought in a beaten, bruised, battered baby. And that is not what happened at all.
2: Mm. So
0: we considered closing our home because of fear out of being retaliated against. And uh, we even put an email in to our local person, like we're going to, we can't do this anymore. But the woman who um, makes these decisions, she was on vacation and I ended up calling her and having a really good talk with her. Or I thought it was really good. Mm -hmm. She listened to me. She gave me her comments, told me I needed to be careful with reaching out to biological parents because they all lie, they all say they're innocent. And um, we ended the conversation with her saying, "You shouldn't close your home. You should stay open. keep doing respite. Just don't take any kids from this county." And I was like, okay, that's you know that's fair. We won't take any more kids from that county. You know, thanks for talking with me. Two days later, we get an email. Your home has been closed. And when I reached out to her, she just said that I used uncomfortable words. And as time went on, she realized, because um, I used medical kidnapping.
1: <laughs> I <didn't>
0: like that. <laughs> but I was being honest. I was telling her I felt like that's what was going on. And that if DPEX cares about children and they care about families, they needed to look into this case. That something wasn't right. That's what I wanted them to do. Look into this before you rip a family apart. Why are we... Terminating parental rights from July to October. Hmm. Why are we making that decision without even a case plan being made? Nothing for these parents to follow. They're, they're signing themselves up for parenting classes. They're doing everything that they've been asked to do. Why are we terminating parental rights for this family? Yeah. It just didn't add up. And every time we've gone to somebody in defax to talk to it, we get shut down literally and physically so now our home is shut down you know another big thing is they're supposed to look for fictive kin or relative placement instead Mm -hmm. of putting these kids in foster care but the home that they were in when we had them for respite this same woman was a single mom so you took two kids from a family put them with a single mom and she was using respite like every weekend Was continuously using respite, and the family was like, "We don't want our kids bouncing around all over the place. Like, what is? Why can't this one foster parent take care of our kids?" So then they got moved into another home. Instead of looking for a fictive kin or a relative placement, the caseworker said she doesn't have time to make those phone calls.
1: Jeez, yeah, it's crazy how many stories just over and over and over again. The people who work for the government are supposed to be lit, like it's literally public service. <laughs> and that's the whole point of it is to serve the general public. And I, I can think of maybe a handful of times ever where I've felt served by a public servant, where I felt that they were there to do what's best for me and my family. Like that, I, yeah. I, I can't think of, off the top of my head, I can't think of a time where that's actually happened. Um, right and it's just wild that these these are the people who are in charge and can determine such important things in your children's lives like that that is that's not something to be taken lightly and and i think it's something to definitely think about and consider um yeah. Especially nowadays. Um, things are getting really strange out there. So.
0: Yeah. You need to be very mindful with answering questions. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely. Even social workers coming to your house, you need to. You're not obligated without a warrant to let them in. And don't think because you're innocent that you should let them in, and answer their questions. I do not recommend that at
1: all. Yeah, I I don't recommend letting anybody from the government in your house ever.
0: (laughs) More so now, you know, more so now for me. I mean, honestly, I've seen just the way that they behaved. They do not care about this family. They do not. The people involved in this case do not care. They want to destroy this family. Um, They want to destroy them. And it's horrible financially, emotionally, physically. The parents are still under a bond condition. Mom and dad aren't allowed to speak to each other. They've not spoken outside of court. They cannot text. They cannot talk. They cannot speak to each other.
1: What is the point of that?
0: No one can give an answer for that. Their county specifically in Forsyth County, Georgia, they, they just have a habit of doing this where they can have a husband and wife not speak. No, I I don't
1: want them to like have corroborating stories and crap like that. Maybe, I don't know. Who knows,
0: but how can you, as a family, (laughs) the worst time of their life and they can't even like lean on each other. They can't even ask each other questions about lawyers. Should I hire this person? Should I hire? They can't even talk to each other. Yeah. You know, it's really wrong. And if we care about families, Mm -hmm. if the government cared about this family, they would have found out what was going on with this family and they would have put in action to support them. Yeah. And there's been nothing put in place to support them. It has only been to destroy them.
1: Mm. Gosh, that is so sad. Um, and extremely frustrating. And it, it, I imagine it it, a lot of the times, I mean, everybody feels this way when it comes to different things with the government is, is you can't do anything about it. Like you have no say so in the matter, you're just at the whim of somebody that you don't know. Um yeah. that, that's that makes things far more um intense and far more uh frustrating. Um yeah,
0: and you know, even just they could they could treat this family with respect, grace, dignity, like all these things. Again, that to me it doesn't matter if you're guilty or innocent. You're I'm talking about anyone in Georgia with their kids in foster care, they deserve a level of respect. It's their children. There should be some form of level of respect that you as a caseworker, it doesn't matter if they're guilty or innocent. Mm -hmm. You should be doing everything in your power to help this family get reunited because that's what Georgia d facts says. Reunification is their number one goal. So why are we terminating parental rights, making that decision within two months? Like you have to turn your brain on, as I tell my children, and think about that. Mm -hmm. If they cared about this family, that wouldn't be happening. Right. There's just something very suspicious and sneaky going on.
1: Man, that's wild. Um, w- is there anything people out there can do to help in this particular situation or just this this type of scenario in general?
0: Yeah, there's a couple things I can think about um, if it's okay that I name other you know, organizations. Yeah. Um, Parents Behind the Pinwheels. This is uh, you can find on Facebook and TikTok. It's nothing but stories just like this, similar stories um, of parents who have been arrested, parents who have dealt with this um, unjustly in all different states. So it's not like a feel-good place to be there and read these stories, but it will help you realize um, that this is not an isolated case, that this happens and it really is horrible. Mm. Um, People can follow You Are The Power.
1: Yeah, Spike uh, Cohen.
0: Spike Cohen, they have been absolutely instrumental with this situation between parents behind the pinwheels, which is Holly Simonton, who runs it. Between Holly and You Are The Power, it's been so great to have people jump on board to advocate for this family. Um, With You Are The Power, Spike has given email addresses that people can email, phone numbers they can call with people involved in this case where you can reach out and respectfully tell them you, you don't appreciate what's going on with this family and you think things need to change and you think things need to go differently for this family. Um, those two things I think are really important for people. And even if they don't know the Hernandez family, they can see if you have kids or you have grandkids or you even your neighbor has kids, someone you know has children you should care it doesn't matter what state you live in because this is happening everywhere and it people need to pay attention to that and they need to care
1: yep yep 100 percent. yeah and it's not just happening in the U, in the us either i know a few cases in canada where it's happening yeah, well
0: you're right that that is very true um there are on spike's page and on you are the power there are ways to donate to this family that's not their top priority obviously is not money but i can tell you i know for a fact this is financially burden them i mean the lawyers the appointed lawyers aren't really worth much so typically parents who really need to fight need to get rid of the appointed lawyers and you have to find your own it's very expensive all these expert witnesses for court you're you're talking you know so much money. I mean, by the mm-hmm. time most of these people are done, they're over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. They're selling their homes. It's a really big deal. Just bonds to get out of jail are really mm-hmm. expensive. Um, so there's a link to where you can donate for the family on you are the power spikes um, page and parents behind the pinwheels have all shared it.
1: All right. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it was a sad topic, but um, I appreciate opportunity to be able to tell people about it appreciate you giving me this time
1: heck yeah people need to know about it people need to know about fighting for their own rights self-advocacy and knowing yeah. what to expect when interacting with the government um, like these are all important things to know nowadays yeah. so um, yes yeah. thank thank you for everything um, stick around after the credits and we'll chat for a second all right, um, thank you. Everybody else out there, um, thank you all for tuning in to the Free Georgia Podcast. Don't forget to go get your tickets to the convention, um, 2024 convention happening in four weeks. So go on to lpgeorgia.com to learn more about our party. Um, That'll do it for this week. Jennifer, thanks again. Um, We'll see you all next week. Peace.